Hey, and welcome to the third episode of the No Meat Athlete podcast. I'm Matt Frazier, here again with Ben Benoulis. And uh, we have a special episode today because Ben, uh, just this past weekend, completed his first half marathon. So what we're going to do is kind of get two different perspectives here. We have Ben's perspective of someone who just trained for his half marathon, and it went well, a successful race. Um, and me, who actually, I wrote the uh, half marathon roadmap, which is the, the program that Ben used to train. So I've done actually not all that many half marathons, but a lot of marathons and ultras. Um, so we have that perspective versus Ben's, who's someone who, who just completed his first. So hopefully you'll get um, a lot of good advice here, maybe some different approaches that you can kind of pick and choose what works for you. So Ben, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling pretty good. I was sore the day after. Um, and then yesterday and today, like a tiny bit sore, but pretty much fully recovered. And um, just feeling just really good this week, not just because I have an accomplishment under my belt, but I just, I don't know, I feel a little different and I'm just, I don't want to say happier or just um, just been in a good mood all week. Yeah, I, I actually understand what you mean there because that, that's a feeling that, um, you know, you always get after after a good race or a big accomplishment. And it always does seem to last for about a week. And then, then for me at least, I start, these thoughts start creeping in of like, okay, what's next? Like, what, what do I do now? Cause you, uh, you kind of get addicted to that training and the, the idea of working towards something. So I hope it, hope it keeps lasting the happiness. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I know, I think I know what you're talking about. I've started to the next day ask myself like, okay, what am I going to do next? And uh, right. still, still pondering it. Right. And just so everyone knows, um, what, what was the actual race that you ran? It was the San Antonio, Texas Rock and Roll Half Marathon. Excellent. Rock and Roll is good. I recommend those for, for a first time half or full because just the energy is uh, is not really matched at, at many other marathons, even some of the big ones that, that you might run. It's just cool to have the band there at every mile and, and all the stuff like that. So anyway, Ben, um, I know you use the Half Marathon Roadmap, but there are a couple options in there for different things you can do, different ways you can do it. So that's why wanted to talk to you about it you know i didn't want this to like be an ad for the half marathon roadmap um i just kind of wanted it to be your particular experience training for a half marathon so what uh what length of the training period did you like how how many weeks did you train when you did it i did um i guess it was a 12-week program but i miscalculated and ended up giving myself 13 weeks so it was it was basically 13 weeks of training which i'm glad i aired on the the uh too much side um it would Sucked to have to crunch it in. Yes, it definitely would, and that's that's good. And you were actually, um, just so not not everybody goes out and tries to train for a half marathon in twelve weeks. You had had been running some before that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I had done um, a five mile race, a bunch of five um, k's. I had done a few seven eight mile runs of my own. I did uh, tough mutter, which was ten miles, but. I didn't really run the whole thing, and it was it was I mean a lot of obstacles, and um, it was fun time, but it, I wouldn't consider it like a ten mile race that I ran. Right, right, I see. Um, well, yeah, so I mean that that's good, and I wanted everyone to hear that that you you don't just decide you're going to run a half like like you're going to start running and then run your half marathon twelve weeks later, or even or even sixteen or eighteen weeks later. I mean, it can be done, but I I think it's really good to be running like do a five k first before you say that I'm going to start half marathon training because it's just, you know, a lot of people who, who try to go from zero to half marathon in like six months, you know, they end up getting hurt. 
and there are exceptions. Like someone um, recently emailed me who she started running in, in I think January and, and finished her first half in uh, I think it was like September or something. So I mean, even that's not six months. But uh, yeah, just just give it give it time. Obviously, don't rush it. Yeah, and, and I would say that um, you know more power to you if you're at that level of determination that uh, you haven't run at all or can't run at all really and want to do a half marathon. I hadn't really crossed my mind. I started running in uh, April of 2010, seriously, and um, it wasn't until you know middle of this year that it crossed my mind that I could do like a high-level race like that. I was sort of comfortable where I was doing you know mostly three to four mile runs here and there a few times a week. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, more power to you. It's it's great to think that way, and I think it's it's almost essential to, I mean, at least for me, to to kind of have a really big goal that that is way out there at first. But I guess the point is, don't rush it. Like, don't don't try to just breeze through a training program that you're not ready for. But I think that probably goes without saying. So, um, Ben, what kind of time commitment did you like? How many hours were you were you putting in a week, or how many? I don't know, or miles, like whatever you counted. Any idea what you were what you were doing? Um, I guess it would be about five hours a week, maybe a little more uh, total time. I was doing four runs a week, um, and then one of those runs was a long run on every Sunday, and so that would, you know, that crept up to be almost two hours by the end when I had gotten my my long run mileage really high. So it was definitely a commitment. I had, uh, had you know, I normally keep a pretty uh, packed workout schedule myself. Um, and so I had to, well, the other things I was doing, I had to run instead, which, um, you know, it was a trade-off and I was happy to do it, to train for it. Um, so if you're not at that level where you're working out four days a week or more, um, it's it's going to be a little bit harder to um, say, okay, I'm going to commit to, you know, working out four days a week. Yeah, that's a great point because a lot of people ask how long it takes and it is a lot of time. I mean, six hours a week just added into your week is is a ton of time. But um, what I always tell people is if you're already working out and you're already someone who's training that much per week or close to that, um, then it's it's not that much work to replace it. I mean, there's there's not that much additional time. It may even be less time if, if you're willing to, you know, give yourself the rest that that can be useful to you. So it is some, it does take some time. A lot of people forget that you can replace some of your current workout time with that running time. So what what actually um, like what uh training were you doing besides running? Like what other cross cross training type stuff? Uh, I do strength training twice a week, and so I was able to pretty much maintain that. What I did was basically like uh, every Monday I had my strength training workout, and that's just like that's almost like church for me as far as like it sets the tone for the week. I do that every Monday. At 12:30, I drop what I'm doing at my desk at work, and I do that. And then I pretty much just um, arrange the other runs sort of around that. And then I tried to do another strength training session towards the end of the week if I could, if I could fit it in. Um, and then so I just sort of had a rough schedule that I would um, do each of my training runs on and, and stuck to that. But uh, it was it definitely I could see that if you weren't somebody who works out consistently every week, you know, on a certain schedule or a certain amount of times that it would be a little bit, uh, take a little more discipline to, um, start doing that. Yeah. Right. So by the way, did you do the, um, the fitness plan of the half marathon roadmap or the, or the two finish plan? Cause there are two of them in there. One's kind of really easy. I no, no, it's not easy, but it's, uh, it's, 
it's just easy runs. I mean, there's not you're not trying to put in speed workouts, hill workouts, all that. So which one did you actually do? I don't think I know this. Uh, so I shot for the fitness workout with all the special like training runs. And I would say I did a hybrid of about 50, 50 each. Cause there'd be days when it's like, okay, I got to go out there and do a hill run. Well, you know what? I'm just going to go run three miles. Cause that's, I just don't have it in me to do a hill run today. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's great. I mean, I think more people should be willing to adapt to programs because I think that's how a lot of people get hurt is they find one and then commit to it, which is totally great that they commit to every single run on it. But, uh, you got to be willing to listen to your body. And if you're just not feeling it one day, it might be worth giving your hard run a shot that day. But if it's not going well, don't, don't try to suffer through it and, and get yourself hurt or get, you know, whatever, get, that's how you get burned out going through stuff that you don't feel like at all. So, you know, I think that's great that you, that you did that. Yeah. And, um, I liked how basically the, the fitness level of it gave me something to shoot for, but then I could always fall back on the, uh, the easier workouts. So, um, because I could see, like you said, you're like you commit to it, and it's like, oh no, I got to do it today. I don't care if my calves are sore or whatever. And then you just you hurt yourself or whatever. This sort of gives you an out. Whereas the other thing you don't want to do is like, oh, my calves are sore, so I'm just gonna skip it this, you know, today or whatever. And then you know maybe you, you sort of get into a rut, and then before you know it, you're behind schedule. This kind of allows you to have like a sort of some wiggle room between like, okay, do I want to push hard or do I want to take it easy this week? And I was always still on track, and I never felt like I was falling behind. So you mentioned that you were doing a lot of your your two big strength workouts a week still. Um, and people a lot of times ask about that if you can keep doing cross training while like your hard cross training strength workouts while you're training for a half marathon or marathon. And uh, my answer is always that it kind of depends on the person. Some people who are great runners do nothing but run. Like the elites, a lot of them, that's all they do, and that's part of why they're so good. And that's part of why they're able to do that is because they're the type of people who become elite runners. They're gifted at running. They don't get hurt very easily. Uh, but for an average person, I, I generally recommend some light strength training, but kind of taking it easy on it. So I was just wondering, like, how how did that do for you? Because you seem like someone who probably does work out pretty hard on those strength days. And, like, did, how did you feel one, two days after that when it was time to run? Did you find that you were sore coming into them ever? Or, like, did it did it impact your runs? Um. Minimally, I think um, my personal opinion on this is just like eating a really like high raw diet with a lot of like alkaline forming foods can really uh, fend off inflammation. I, I almost call you know the whole fruitarian thing like the limited vulnerability diet where just like don't get sore. So um, I mean like I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying like in my own observation, I used to you know work out half as much and still get sore all the time. Um, so I think that played a big part in it. Um, I did have a few days where like, you know, I did like a 10 mile run on a Sunday and I would have to come in and try to do leg press on a Monday and like, couldn't quite, you know, get it to where I wanted it to be. But I would say that it, it never really interfered with running and running only minimally impacted it. Right. Good. Well, that's, that's great. So let's talk about a little bit about your actual race, the, um, the one you picked and, and how you picked it and then how it went. So, I mean, how, how did you pick it? Like what were, was it just a timing issue? Were you like ready to train? And that was, that was one that was 13 or 12 weeks away or, or was there something more to it than that? Well, I bought the roadmap in July and uh, at the time I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And then I started looking at race times and I was like, well, you know, I, if I do that one, then like, I can't do this. And like, 
I have to. Tr- I was training for a footbag tournament um, in August at the time, and I was like, well, if I if I train for the half marathon, like I won't be able to trade for that. And then I was like, well, I'll do this race that's in later on. And I was like, well, if I do that, then I can't train for this footbag tournament. And so I was like really vested in that. Um, and so at some point I said, you know what? Like I can always have an excuse. Like there will never be a good time. It's kind of like going on vacation. You know, is there ever like a good time to like get away from your work and go on vacation? Well, not exactly, but you just kind of kind of bite the bullet and do it. So I said, okay. I'll train for this one footbag tournament, not do any running, and then once that's over in early August, then just completely drop it, and then I'll do a November um, race that'll give me three months to train, and I just just decided to do it at that point. I was like, it's I'm going to have to make a trade-off, it's going to be a time commitment, and I'm going to have to reprioritize this, but it's going to be worth it, and it was. Cool, and that's that one's fairly close to where... You're located, right? Yeah, it was a 90-minute drive. Oh, okay. So that's not bad at all. It's a funny thing because uh, two or three days before the race, I emailed a bunch of my friends who were doing the full marathon there and said, Does anybody want to like carpool down to San Antonio because it's going to be kind of long and like parking might be kind of hard? And then all of them had either like were staying with friends in San Antonio or like had a hotel room. And I was like, oh, maybe I should have done that because I had to get up at like 4.30 in the morning to like, you know, uh, get up and drive down there and everything and be, be there early for the race. And, um, which ended up not being too bad, but it was sort of like kind of a newbie mistake where I guess it might be good if it's out of town to get a hotel room and, um, in the city it's happening. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I actually know a lot of ultra runners who will go, they'll drive, they'll get up at like three in the morning, drive to their race that starts at seven or eight and then they'll run 50 miles or something and then they'll drive home that night. Which is just like crazy to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like doing absolutely nothing after running even a marathon. So yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I I think you should. I don't know. I, I always recommend. It. And I just think it makes it more fun to kind of make it an event. Like you go out to a nice dinner the night before, or um, I mean, whatever. Just do, do something fun without overdoing it, obviously. But I think that's just part of the experience for me. Part of what makes a race exciting and worth it. Um. So how did how did the actual race go? I mean, I don't I don't know anything about that course, but uh, I would assume it's fairly flat since it's in Texas. Uh yeah, there were there were some hills, um, but I, I don't know. I haven't run enough races to know like what's really hilly versus what's not really hilly. But I guess it was never like I was going up some crazy hill and being like, oh my god, this hill's terrible. Um, but there were some pretty nice downhills. Maybe I just only pay attention to the positive. I don't know. Uh, but the course was. Uh, like it started at 7:30 and it was like really just foggy that day and about like in the mid 60s and it was like running through a cloud in the beginning which was kind of cool it made the experience kind of fun um, and then as the day went on the sun came out and it kind of heated up and I'm kind of glad I didn't ran, run the full because it was pretty hot by uh, the time I was done um, but uh, I think in the beginning I kept telling myself the whole time I was training like just I know in the beginning I'm going to want to run fast and I'm going to see everybody going and I'm going to want to go with them. And like, I gotta, gotta, gotta stay at my pace and like not get overexcited. And so I had just been, cause I had done that in a few like five K's and 10 K's and other races I'd run and, um, like, you know, paid for it at the end. And, you know, of course reading the guide is talking about, you know, doing a negative split and, you know, keeping your pace. And so that was well drilled into my head that I was able to, um, that I was able to just 
hold my own and go at my own pace in the beginning. So I'm glad I did that. And then that pretty much set the tone for everything by like the halfway mark. I remember being six miles and I was like, it's only 20 more miles to the full. Maybe I could do that. And it's like, no, no, you're just on a runner's high right now. Like, don't listen to that voice in your head. Um, yep. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I'm glad that you that you were able to have some discipline and not, not go too fast. I mean, that's something that I, I try to like tell everybody about a first marathon or half marathon. Uh, and, and I'm sure not that many people listen to it because it's just hard. Even when you know that you're supposed to listen to that, if it's like your first race, you probably won't listen to it because it just there's just something about it that makes you think that today is like special and, and everyone else is doing it, so you can go fast too. But uh, I'm glad you were able to rein it in a little bit. Yeah, and I think one thing that happened during the training was that I sort of like found out what, where my gears were. Uh, so what I mean is like in the beginning I was like, okay, I have – three speeds that I know about. I can walk, I can jog, or I can sprint. Like that's all I knew. So I'd be reading the guide and it'd be like, well, do this run at like your 5k pace and then do this. And I'm like, my 5k pace. Like, so I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to fake this and just try to do whatever. And so, um, you know, doing a lot of these, um, tempo runs, interval runs, I kind of got a sense of like different gears of like, okay, I can go second gear, third gear, like run a little bit faster than this. And, and get a real sense of like, um, you know, how slow do I really need to go in a long run? Something that I, I never really thought about, but as you do it more and you get practice, like trying to achieve different paces, you understand your body and you understand how you run a little bit better. And so it's a little bit easier to go, okay, I'm going to go at a slow pace versus I'm just going to run, you know, how I feel. Uh, so that aspect of all the training, like, uh, really helped me find a comfortable pace and knew what it would be like if I needed to kick it up a notch or if I needed to kick it down a notch or whatever. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I probably would have forgotten to mention that at all. But that's uh, that's one of the really cool benefits of, of doing some training. And I'm a big fan of like the the more subjective measure. Well, not, not subjective, but I would say listening to your own body as opposed to um, looking at a heart rate monitor or any kind of the other objective measurements. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's cool like that you can – you can say this is my gear where I can talk in full sentences and this is my gear where I can talk in full paragraphs. And this one is where I can't say barely five words without running out of breath. I mean, and that, that totally can, you know, those correspond really well to actual zones that, that your body's in and different things that your that your body's doing during those, those intensities. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and you, you probably just recognize those zones, even without maybe thinking of those cues necessarily. You, you can learn to recognize just how each of those different speeds feels and you learn which one is right for a, for a marathon or half marathon. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the, the, the program, I, I always thought the people who talked about that kind of stuff were just like way over technical with running and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to be like that, but just d doing the training, you just naturally with practice, like anything, like playing a musical instrument, you just sort of get a sense of it. And it's like, now my running is this musical instrument that I have a better sense of you know, how to do different scales or do, you know, different octaves or whatever. That makes sense. A little music lesson there. I like that. So um, what, what was your actual time for the race? I, I still haven't actually found out from you. I know you said it went great, but I didn't, uh, didn't hear uh, it. It was 2.11, which comes out to exactly 10.0 minute miles. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I was, like, really hoping to beat two hours, but, I, I mean, it was my first race, so I also didn't want to, like, push myself too too hard, you know? So. Yeah, it, it's so hard to hit the time goal when it's when it is your first race. So it, it, I'm glad. I mean that you didn't 
put too much stock in. I mean, you know, worry about that time goal too much because you don't want that first race to ever feel like a failure. I mean, if you completed the race, then that that's the number one thing you're trying to do. So, I'm a big fan of no time goals for the first race, but. Yeah, yeah, and it even said that in the guide, and I was like, well, I really want to, but oh, I shouldn't do that to myself. So I kind of had, like, in the back of my mind, like, okay, I want to do this, but if I don't, like, not the end of the world. And I ran the whole thing at a good pace. Even at the end, I, like, at, like 400 feet to go. I just, like, sprint. I had enough energy left to, like, sprint towards the finish line, I and mean, I didn't want to be, like, walking over it or crawling over it or anything, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was... I ran the race well, as in, like, if I was a little too conservative versus being, you know, pushing too hard, that was probably a good thing, because, I mean, I wouldn't want to walk the last mile or anything. Exactly. Definitely err on the side of caution for the first couple times. That's that's a huge, great tip. Um, So, we we talked about your diet just really quick. You mentioned fruitarian, and I don't think everyone listening to this is going to have heard your other podcast or read your guest post. So, for those who don't know, Ben, recently, the past, I, I guess three months or so has, has been doing, um, a primarily or a lot of fruit in his diet, uh, something along the 80, 10, 10 lines, I think, right, Ben, 80% carbohydrates, 10% protein, 10% fat. Yep. That's right. So, um, like raw fruits and vegetables with fruit being the main calorie source is just more calorically dense than vegetables. Um, so, uh, a lot of bananas, a lot of, uh, romaine lettuce, a lot of spinach, a lot of strawberries. Say those are my staples. Yeah, so there's such a wide range of of plant-based diets that work for for endurance training. It's it's fascinating to me that that so many different and not even plant-based diets. I mean, you can there are people who do paleo diet and do great at half marathons too. Um, but it, it's just fascinating to me that that such a wide range of diets works. But it's an example. I mean, you know, training for a half marathon on all fruit. I mean, or a lot of fruit, 80% carbohydrates. That to me is um, that's somewhat remarkable. So. What did you actually eat during the race? Did you uh, just eat what they provided, or did you bring your own stuff? So I brought my own stuff. I uh, I had been doing dates for my long runs, um, which are really good. They're just like, high in glucose. Your body just absorbs it really well. Um, and so I thought about, hey, why not? Why not for the um, the actual run try to make my own uh, my own uh, energy bars out of dates, which wasn't such a good idea in retrospect, like doing something different, like the day before the race. Um, but, uh, I ended up making these, um, things in my food processor with just two different types of dates and then bananas. And, uh, they came out really mushy and weren't really bars. They were just more like piles of goo. So I put them in a, um, plastic bag separated by tin foil in my pocket and they got all melty. And, uh, I basically like, cram my hand in there, kind of scoop it out like it was chewing tobacco and just like stick it like in the side of my mouth because it was like too sweet to like taste during the race. Like my, my tongue was like, oh my God, I don't want to eat that. So I kind of put it in there like like um, like chew and just sort of nod on it with my molars and I absorbed it. It was one of those things like, well, you got to do it with what you have because it wasn't going to eat like bagels or anything. Um, but they had... Uh, they had um, pineapple and apples and bananas and everything. Um, at the end, I just remember like stocking up on these little like things of canned pineapple. They were canned. They were like in these little plastic dishes. And they came with like the pineapple juice in there and just drinking the pineapple juice along with the pineapples and it just tasted like unicorn tears after the race. Like just amazingly good. Um, but there were goo packets flying everywhere and just um, and some weird. Uh, sports drink that I didn't even know what it was and I just 
you know, if I didn't know what it was, I didn't want to drink it. And um, about halfway through, they were handing out salt packets. And I was like, well, I heard salt's only like a thing for like ultra running or like serious things where you could suffer hyponatremia. But like, you know, it's just one or two salt packets. Like, how can it hurt? Um, and so just like ripping one of those open and putting it in my mouth, it, again, tasted amazing, pure salt when you're running. I don't know. So I had like two, and then I noticed that maybe around mile 10 or 11, like, felt like my back or like my kidneys started to hurt. So I don't know if I took too much salt and my kidneys were like trying to process it. Like I ended up being okay, but in retrospect, like, I don't know if I should have taken any salt at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I would agree that you probably don't need it unless you're sweating a tremendous amount. Or like you said, you, you're doing a, an event where you're out there for a really long time. Um, most, I mean, you're, you're getting electrolytes from, from the fruit you drink, you're eating and the if you're doing the sports drink, you'd get it from there too, or or the gels. So that's kind of strange to me that they would have that at at a half marathon. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it the first. When I've tried stuff like that. like I had caffeine pills before a Disney marathon once. I thought it was like some cool idea. I thought, oh, this will probably take five minutes off my time. So I, I did that, and it was like cold sweats in like first three miles. It was like 50 degrees out, and I was sweating tremendously. It was just so weird. So I just don't do anything new that the race day anymore. Yeah, I can understand that. In fact, like a week or two before um, the race, I started being like very cautious of like, okay, I don't want to get hurt. Like uh, I normally do handstands as part of my um, strength training workout. And I was like, you know what, today I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to fall over. And I mean, I never gotten hurt doing it, but I just started getting like overly conservative about like, you know, not getting hurt before the race. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's smart. If you, if you put all that time into something, it's kind of stupid to do anything risky at all in in the fu- when when you don't need to, when you can just rest and, and be fine. I heard Brendan Brazier recently say how um, when he was competing professionally for in Ironmans, he would uh, he like wouldn't leave the house for a couple weeks before his race because he just didn't want to get sick. He was that was his big concern was was getting sick. And I'm sure he went out to to train or whatever. He had essential things to do. But he, he said his system at that point would be so taxed from the training that he just didn't w- would be vulnerable and, and just wouldn't go out. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's not the craziest thing in the world that you wouldn't want to do anything risky. All right, great. So you had a successful first half marathon. Uh, nothing bad, no disasters happened. You finished in a little bit more than your time goal, but, but still a pretty respectable time for your first one. Uh, so, I mean, you got to be pretty happy with that. And I, I don't know, I guess just to wrap it up, like, what would you say? Because I get a lot of emails from people, even one, like, I think this last weekend, someone emailed me and said, I'm, I've trained for my half marathon and everything has gone great. And now I have this big case of doubt creeping in. And I, I don't know if I can do it. I've even, I think she had run a 11 or 12 miler already. But for some reason, she had doubts all of a sudden that she'd be able to complete the 13.1. So I don't know, what, did you have any kind of doubts like that? Or, or was it, kind, you know, were you pretty confident? Um, I think by about two thirds of the way through, I kind of, I knew it was going to happen. Uh, when I first initially started training, I was like, well, this should work. Like I'm going to follow it. I, I can't believe by the end I'm going to be running 10, 11 miles, but okay. Like I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to give it my best shot. And you know, I think it's going to work. I hope I don't screw it up. Um, but by two thirds of the way through when I had run like a nine mile or 10 miler, I was like, okay, this is going to happen. Like, I can definitely do this. And so I started to get really excited. Um, and then I would say maybe like two or three days before, when I, you know, when I was really tapering and not doing much and trying not to get hurt, 
that's when like the you know the nervousness kind of set in for a little while. I'm like, oh my god, what you know what what if I what if something goes wrong? You know what if I can't do it? Like what if I've been tapering too much? And these fears kind of enter your head, and I just sort of like like no, I know how I felt like a week or two ago when I did an 11 mile run. Like I'm gonna be fine. So I was kind of battling myself like that. Like you know part of my myself would would um be nervous but the other half was like no you didn't you know 11 mile run you did all this training like you're gonna be fine and so i think like having those three months under my belt like allowed me to silence that nervous voice um so i got a little nervous but i would say like knowing i had trained enough and knowing i had trained properly like i was able to push that aside and and just keep going well that's good i think that's exactly what what you would hope for uh, it's it's not surprising that you would have some nervousness come in because it, that just is like a thing that marathoners and half marathoners are are just kind of notorious for. It's like the the week or two weeks before your race, when you're tapering, is when because you're sitting still all of a sudden and you're stuck inside, your your mind starts starts going a little crazy, and then you even start to feel like these imaginary injuries that you start to make up, like something that has never bothered you since like week one of your training, all of a sudden in your mind flares up, and it just happens like almost without fail. But uh, it's almost always in your head, and it never, never is as bad as it seems. So that's great. I'm glad you did it. Congratulations. Uh, you should be, you should be very proud. Thanks. All right. So the very last thing I wanted to mention today is uh, something that I hinted a little bit at at the end of that last blog post, um, which was the little thing we're gonna put together for the uh, the first DC Rock and Roll USA. I believe it's called. It's a half marathon marathon and a half marathon relay where, where two people can run, can split the half marathon distance up. Um, so even if someone who's not quite ready for a half marathon could, could do that uh, by pairing up with somebody. But anyway, what we're going to do is put together a little package where, you know, just kind of as a way to get different um, vegetarian, vegan athletes together and to know each other and to be one big group during this race, not necessarily running together, but, but to kind of be there together. Um, so we were going to do a little thing that involves like a special t-shirt that says that, that they're training as, as, you know, with no meat athlete. And, uh, we'll do like weekly emails, maybe some webinars, some things like that, where people can get actual answers to the, to the questions they have. Um, Susan and I are going to, are going to head that up and, you know, you'll be able to, to ask us directly questions that you might be having with the training. We'll probably include like one of the, e- whichever of the eBooks would be appropriate for your race. Um, I think the race is only like it's going to be about 18 weeks away, so that wouldn't allow for like a full-length marathon training program if you've never done a marathon before. Um, so you know, I wouldn't recommend that anyone necessarily try that unless you've you've already got some mileage under your belt. But anyway, we're going to do all that. Um, I think we're even also going to do like a pre-race dinner. We're going to get a restaurant. I've got a guy, um, Doug Hay, actually from uh, theheysay.com. He's working on that for us and uh, trying to find like a perfect restaurant where we can have a dinner. The night before, all hang out. Uh, maybe like, maybe a little deal in the morning with uh, like a vegan bakery that have some stuff in the morning, and then we'll go run our race and and do whatever. So a lot of you know just kind of a lot making it like a community thing and should be a lot of fun. So I'm going to announce some details about that once we have a lot more stuff worked out. Hopefully by you know around Thanksgiving or so. So anyway, just wanted to give you a little bit more about that. Uh, let you start thinking about it. Uh, that race, by the way, is March 17th. It's St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it has been – they've done the race before in D.C., but this is the first time that rock and roll has, has taken over. So should be fun. 
Um, but start thinking about that if you were looking at a half marathon or full for 2012. It should be a lot of fun. And Susan and I are both going to actually run it also, and so is, so is Doug. So we'll all be there. Um, so that is about it. That wraps it up. Glad we got to do this. I hope everyone uh, who is thinking about a half marathon has hopefully gotten a little bit um, more advice, maybe some confidence from hearing someone who is new at it and, and just had a successful race. Um, so hope you listened to this one once or twice and uh, take that information to heart. All right, so that wraps it up. Uh, we'll see you guys next time.